The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You have wondered about uh, whether or not you're going to be here next year. Does that uncertainty give you any more incentive to try to play in this last game? Um, not really, because I mean, in my mind, I don't feel like I don't feel like this is my last time. Um, you know, I don't feel like this is my last time putting on a, a Seahawks uniform. I don't feel like this is my last time doing that. I understand um, there's a business side to this, but there's a lot of optimism on my end that um, I'll be back, and so I'm not worried about it. Obviously, I can't control everything. I can only control my part, and my part on this is um, I feel like I I love this city. I love um, this team. I love the Seahawks. And so um, I always wanted to, to be a part of a franchise's uh, good times and bad times and every time. And so this is a team that I would love to uh, be able to be a part of for a very, very long time. And so on my end, um, that's where I'm at, that I'm, I'm a Seahawk until they tell me I'm not. Thursday edition of PFTPM, Bobby Wagner. During the season, I'm a Seahawk until they tell me I'm not. He's not. They released him officially yesterday, the last of the members of the Super Bowl championship team, although technically Russell Wilson's still on the Seahawks. He'll officially be moved from Seattle to Denver next Wednesday. I say hello and good afternoon to Shireen. I feel bad on Tuesday. I was not among the last to wish you a happy birthday. Let me be among the very last, to wish you a happy birthday since it was four days ago. Happy birthday. Enjoy well, your head start. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Four months to be an age ahead of you, and then you catch up in the next four months. So we had too much to talk about Tuesday, and I thought it was going to be a dull day today, and guess what? Maybe it's not so dull. I wish it was four months, but it's three months and two days of a head start that I have, not four. So, oh, okay. Uh, I'll take four. Who's counting? Uh, it's my, Bad at math. My brother-in-law, my brother-in-law is exactly or almost exactly three weeks younger than me, and when I flip, I've told you that before, when I flip to the next number, <laughs> yeah. he enjoys every minute and every second of those three weeks. Uh, every minute and every second something is happening in the NFL. Other teams in the NFC West are reportedly interested in Bobby Wagner because he's been released – he doesn't have to wait until next week. He can be signed right now. He can go visit teams right now. So if someone really is interested, they better make a move so someone else doesn't get involved. And I say that because we have to remember that this is the period on the calendar of maximum agent bullcrap. And the newsmakers, the newsbreakers, the, the people who are in position to tell us things five minutes before they're officially announced, they get manipulated all the time this time of year, to help build a market for guys. So when I hear other NFC West teams are interested in Bobby Wagner at a time when he's available to be signed by anybody, I feel like somebody's trying to build a market for Bobby Wagner, and they're manipulating the newsbreakers to get that information out there to try to boost the market. We've seen that time and again, Shereen. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you saw it with J.J. Watt last year, Mike, and he's a player on the market who is going to be in great demand, I would expect, based on what he's done, based on the fact that he doesn't turn 32 until June. I mean, this is a really good inside linebacker. I think, I was looking at his resume, I think he's already a Hall of Famer. I don't even think he needs to do anything else, but he's got a lot of time left in his career. Eight-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro Uh, on the all-decade team, really everything you look for in a player, a Hall of Fame player, he's done. He's been there. He's done that and a great leader. So there are going to be numerous teams in the market uh, for Bobby Wagner. I would X out the Cardinals, and I saw a report from a local beat writer that the Cardinals are not interested in him, and that makes no sense to me because the reason they moved on from Jordan Hicks was to get – uh, Xavier Co- Collins, more playing time. He was our first-round pick uh, last year, and they need to get him in the lineup next to Isaiah Simmons. So that was the point of moving on from Jordan Hicks was to get Xavier Collins involved. They're not going after Bobby Wagner. But the other two teams in the NFC West, they make a lot of sense for Bobby Wagner. Jordan Rodriguez, the Athletic, reported that the Rams are indeed interested, but the price tag would be in the range of 4 to $5 million. Per year, he was due to make a lot more than that from the Seahawks. So he'll find a home. The question is, for how much? And last I checked, he was representing himself. So, so maybe he is working, Ian Rappaport, to get him to put out there that multiple teams are interested. <laughs> but if someone and, – and, and that's the other side of it too, though. If teams are interested but no one is moving now, that means they're not interested at a number that the player finds acceptable – so he's going to wait. But the reality is the money's never going to get dramatically better. You're always going to get your maximum financial package early in the process because people are going to start spending their budgeted money on other players. And maybe, just maybe, there's a middle linebacker that someone covets that they don't get, and all of a sudden they're willing to pay more to Bobby Wagner, but I don't think it would be significantly more. So uh, part of it is, When you get cut because the team you've been with for a decade thinks you're making more than it can afford to pay you, you know, you've had in your head, this is what I'm going to make. It takes some time to work through the the five phases of grief to accept the fact that you're going to have to take 50 cents on the dollar or less than what you thought you were going to make in 2022, and that can be a bitter pill. And at some point, the offers are so low, you just say it's not worth it. I, I I don't need to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to subject myself to it below a certain threshold. But even at 4 or $5 million, you'd have to think that Bobby Wagner would do it, especially if it gives him a chance to play for the Rams, Shireen, to try to stick it to the Seahawks and pursue his second Super Bowl ring to go along with the one that he got way back when in 2013. Yeah, you would think maybe it's a short-term deal for him, a one-year deal to go somewhere like the Rams, or if he thinks the 49ers maybe sign Tom Brady and have a chance to sign or trade for Tom Brady, or maybe he wants to wait and see where Tom Brady ends up. Maybe that's something. But, yeah, if I'm him, I want to go somewhere to, to win a Super Bowl, to have a chance to do that again. I mean, I suffered through this season with the Seahawks, my first losing season. I want to go have a chance to win somewhere else. And if that means signing a one-year deal and taking 4 or $5 million, then, then I'm going to do it. And aside from the money, Mike, this is a guy who there, there's no strikes against him. Like when you look at age, when you look at his production, has missed 10 games in 10 years. He's always there, over 100 tackles every single year he's been in the NFL. So you don't have the injury situation. You don't have the decline in production. Made the Pro Bowl again this year. There's nothing there that would prevent you from going out and trying to sign Bobby Wagner if you're in need at that position. 
And it very well may be that if, if he's not going to be blown out of the water financially, he just decides to wait for the right yeah. circumstance where after the dust settles on free agency, he sees where he would best fit and best have a chance to pursue Super Bowl championship number two. Khalil Mack still pursuing Super Bowl appearance number one in his career. This is today's surprise. Every day this week, there's been a surprise between the time we go off the air at 9 Eastern on PFT Live <laughs> and come back on the air at 5 Eastern on PFTPM. The Bears finalizing a trade that would send Khalil Mack to the Chargers. Remember last year there was a story at one point that the Raiders called about trading for Khalil Mack. So yeah. this has kind of been floating around as a possibility. And with a new regime in Chicago between Ryan Poles, the GM, Matt Eberflus, the head coach, they decide that the time has come to move on for a guy they invested a ton of money into, draft pick compensation. All in all, I don't want to say it was a failure, but it didn't deliver what they were hoping. They were hoping for a throwback yeah. to the days of the 85 Bears with Khalil Mack as the cornerstone, and that clearly didn't happen. They got a couple playoff appearances that he helped them achieve, but all in all, th this did not go the way that they hoped it would go when they made that major investment. No, absolutely not, Mike. When you look at 2018, his first year with the Bears was his last All-Pro uh, vote at time, time he got first-team All-Pro, and the last time he had double-digit sacks, and he's just missed a lot of time since then with injuries and hasn't been as productive as the Bears had hoped when they gave up all that compensation in draft and in money uh, to, to get Khalil Mack and then to pay him. And, and so it just hasn't worked out quite like they – had hoped it would. And now look at the AFC West, though. Man, it is lit when you think of all the players. A day after the Broncos go get Russell Wilson, which will become finalized next week, guess what? The Chargers go and get another pass rusher, and that's they need it. Bosa and Khalil Mack will be a great tandem there with the Chargers to try to go against these quarterbacks they're going to face twice each year in that AFC West. Yeah, Derek Carr gets to see his old friend Khalil Mack. They entered in the same draft class in 2014. Mack is the fifth overall pick. Carr as the fifth pick in round two. And that was a year that Mark Davis was pushing for Derek Carr to be that fifth overall pick. They ended up getting both guys. But now they're going to be together again twice per year competing against each other. The AFC West gets stronger. The AFC gets stronger. You take one of the best pass rushers still out there and you slide him from the NFC to the AFC whoever's left in the NFC last one there please turn the light off because that conference all in all is draining <laughs> talent toward the AFC 16 and a half million dollar cap charge am I right no I'm wrong wait a minute there's, there's no cap charge on trading him it looks like with the trade there's nothing the he's got a 5.5 million dollar roster bonus the signing bonus has been fully allocated so this is an easy move for them to make Oh, wait a minute. It's already post-trade. I think that they've already taken their cap. I need, it looks like a $14.6 million cap charge. They've already updated the information at spotrack.com to show the trade, even though the trade's not official until next Wednesday. I don't know why you would do all this before the trade's official, but there is a cap charge for the Bears to move on, but they save money they otherwise would have paid him. The Chargers take on his contract. They've got him under contract for three seasons, and now we see what they do. They've got Joey Bosa signed. they got a lot of money invested in pass rushers, and it's important because – in this league, you got to have a great quarterback, and the Chargers do, and you got to have great players who can affect the quarterback, and the Chargers do, especially with Mac joining Joey Bosa. So that's an exciting move if you're a Chargers fan. And we talked to Brandon Staley, the coach of the team, last week at the Combine, and it was clear that they're going to do what they can to beef up that team, to try to get better, to try to be competitive, and get to where they didn't get this year to the postseason.
The Lions have told Trey Flowers he'll be released at the start of the league year. He was a big money free agent signing by the Lions. But this is another example, even though they kept him for last year and his contract probably forced them to keep him, this is another example of what happens when a new regime evaluates players and decides to make changes, decides to move on from guys that others brought in. But he instantly becomes a guy who will be coveted when he's released next week at the start of the league year. Uh, presumably that's a cap move next next week. Next week it's going to be less of a hit to move on from him than it would be right now. But he'll be available. Someone's going to sign him. Someone's going to be happy, and he's probably going to be happy to get out of Detroit, Shereen. Yeah, well, it's the end of the Patriot way in Detroit. He was the last guy standing. Of course, he came in with Bob Quinn and, and Matt Patricia. So you kind of see this one coming. He's never had a 10-sack season but he's only 28 years old. We know that pass rushers are very coveted. Probably not going to get the contract he got that the Lions gave him five years, $90 million with, with $56 million guaranteed. He's not going to get that. But, you know, the Patriots always seem to bring back their guys if they really like them. So you would think that this might be one of their guys they try to bring back uh, to New England, Mike. And he's still in his – or should be still in his prime. And if they release him with a post-June 1 designation, they'll take a $5.6 million cap charge this year and another one next year. If it's not with a post-June 1 designation, they will take the full $11.2 million this year right out of the gates. They avoid a $16 million salary that was not guaranteed. And as I'm looking here, there is uh, just a, a small roster bonus of $1.625 million that was going to become fully guaranteed on March 18. So, yeah, it's, it's, even though that's not a huge payment, it's good to have triggers like that that will force a team in the later years of a deal, and this is already year four of that five-year deal, to force a team to make an early decision so the guy can get to the market and get paid while the money is still there. You always want to be on the market in March not April, not May, definitely not August or September. You want to be on the market when teams still have the, um, the, the, the cash in their budget to do what needs to be done. Well, and Mike, this makes sense from a Lions standpoint. They hold the number two overall pick, and you would think that they're going to draft one of those pass rushers, and there's a ton of them there. And I know they would really like to have Aiden Hutchinson remain in uh, Michigan, but they'll probably get one of those pass rushers. So this makes a ton of sense for them to clear that cap space. Hasn't been all that productive. Injuries have just killed him over the last two years. Three and a half sacks total the last two years. 14 games total that he's played the last two years. Had that broken forearm. Has had a knee injury, a shoulder injury. I mean, the, the injuries have just stockpiled over the last couple of years. He'll go somewhere else with a chance to stay healthy, a chance to be productive, and the Lions will get that pass rusher likely with the number two overall pick and, and probably be upgraded at that position. Yeah, they're guaranteed to get one of the guys, Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson. Maybe they get their pick of both if the Jaguars go tackle with that first overall pick in the draft. But uh, uh, if, you, if you don't have a franchise quarterback or if you do, the next two most important positions are yeah pass rusher and guy who blocks the pass rusher now the Lions don't have a franchise quarterback I had to stop myself but they're not going to do anything with Jared Goff this year the contract <laughs> pays him too much they've got to get through this year before they make their plan for quarterback as of 2023 and I have a feeling it won't be Jared Goff it also won't be Colin Kaepernick and Colin Kaepernick tweeted a video that he's still working 
And Shefty has a report from an anonymous source that says Colin Kaepernick's in the best shape of his career. That's just a weird thing to attribute to an anonymous source. Aren't we all in the best shape of our career at any given time? I mean, that is such a subjective, self-serving comment. It's just odd. The bottom line is, yes, he's still working out. Yeah, he's moving well there. And you know what? There aren't a lot of quarterbacks in this cycle. Someone emailed me earlier today, not not anybody in the league, just a, a, a viewer, while we were talking about all the teams, and we broke it down, the teams that definitely need quarterbacks, the teams that may need quarterbacks, the teams that have guys that they may want to upgrade. There are not enough quarterbacks right now to go around, starting caliber quarterbacks. And look... If Jim Harbaugh had taken the job in Minnesota, if he'd been offered the job, it's not like he turned it down. If he'd been given the chance to take the job in Minnesota and he had taken it, he's the one guy who's been on record over the years praising Colin Kaepernick. He drafted him 11 years ago. I just think that the ship has sailed. And the ship has sailed for one very simple reason. The league successfully colluded against Colin Kaepernick long enough that you look at it and you say five years, it's too long. You can't play. And I've told Sims this in the past. At some point, you successfully keep him out for so long that the mere passage of time that you've kept him out becomes the primary argument to not give him an argument, uh, to not give him an opportunity, excuse me. Even though it was wrong to get to this point, it was wrong to freeze him out 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. It was wrong, it was wrong, it was wrong, it was wrong, it was wrong. But who's going to give him a chance now? And I, I look, he should have had at least a workout with a team at some point in the last five years. But regardless of what he tweets, regardless of what Shefty reports, best shape of his life doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's it never happened in those five years, and it's not happening now. Seattle's the only team that brought him in for a visit in 2017. And I think they were concerned that if they had him on the team, it would undermine Russell Wilson, and there would have been some guys in the locker room that would have rallied around Colin Kaepernick. They didn't want that. Well, now they got an opening, but I still – I'll be stunned. I'll be stunned. I think that ship has fully and finally sailed, and no amount of workout videos and no amount of reports and no amount of anything is going to change it at this point. Completely agree with you, Mike. I don't think he it plays in the NFL ever again. But you know what team actually makes sense is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have a black head coach. They just hired Brian Flores, who we know is suing the league. So they're, they're not scared of that, obviously. And guess what? They need a quarterback. Why wouldn't you, if you're the Steelers, offer this guy a minimum salary deal? Make it known. If he wants to turn down a minimum salary deal and have a chance to come back, that's fine. But give him that opportunity because you're not scared to, to do that uh, because you weren't scared to bring in Brian Flores. Yeah. Um, and, and, and look, the NFL knows it has a problem. The NFL claims it wants to solve the problem. Now, it's focused on the problem as it relates to the hiring of black coaches and general managers. This is a different racial issue altogether, and it's really not – it's more about the power that they have over the players. And it's about being upset with players who make the other robots self-aware. That's why they were upset with Kaepernick. He put them in a bad spot by, by noticing and taking full advantage of the flaw in the NFL rulebook that allows players to not stand during the national anthem. And he became 
the face of that movement that caused so much heartache and financial pain for the NFL in 2016 and 2017 that, 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 that they look, they settled with him. They don't settle with anybody. They, they fight and yeah. they fight and they fight and they fight. They settled for somewhere between five and $10 million with Colin Kaepernick on his collusion claim. And technically I, I was telling somebody about this recently. He, he had a second collusion case that he could have made that he never did make arising from the ongoing refusal to give him a chance after he settled his first case. And as I've said in the Brian Flores context, the second lawsuit can be stronger than the first one. The second lawsuit is you're colluding against me now, not because I didn't stand for the anthem. You're colluding against me now because I went after you and you had to pay me and you're pissed at me. Because I thought when they settled with him, they were going to buy out his future employment rights. I was stunned when I saw that, he was still in play to play for an NFL team. And there was optimism by his lawyer, Mark Garrigus, at the time that he'd get an opportunity. And I, I just kind of knew then it's not going to happen. And they had that, that very clumsy, clunky workout arranged by the league in 2019. Remember that in November? Yeah. And there was language yeah. in a release that, that was so broad that there was concern. And there was fault on both sides on how they handled it. And I think there was, there was fair criticism that both the league and Kaepernick really didn't want to do this but neither wanted to be blamed as the one who derailed it. It was just weird. It was odd. And it's, it's just, it's, it's over. Even though I believe that he was wronged and it's going to trigger all those people out there who want to lock onto the false narratives that too many people in our business peddled on behalf of people in the league who were trying to avoid having to sign Colin Kaepernick. And some of our colleagues in the media engaged in some shameful activity in giving credence to those bullcrap arguments Regardless, where we are right now, it's just too, five years is too long. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen. I would love to see it just to see what he had. You know what? If you sign him to a veteran minimum deal and you see in the preseason he doesn't still have it, then you can say, okay, you know, we tried. He didn't have it. Let's move on. He's had his opportunity. So to me, it's just a no risk decision now i know some fans would be upset with this but you know what if he plays great they they don't get upset anymore the fans of that team uh will love colin kaepernick but there's just as you said mike there's just not enough quarterbacks to go around and if you think you're gonna feel that need in the draft think again this just doesn't look like a great quarterback draft i know probably one of these guys will hit or maybe two of them will hit but this just doesn't look like the blue chip, no doubt quarterback in this draft that you're going to hit on. So if you need a quarterback, you're really running out of options at this point. Yeah, I agree with you. But at the same time, well, let me ask you this. Do you think if someone offered Colin Kaepernick a one-year veteran minimum deal right now, he would take it? Or would he want more than that? I don't know. I think he probably, based on what we heard and if it was true out of the XFL and everything else, he would want more than that. But I would make it known. I'm offering this. I'm giving you an opportunity. Take it or leave it. Well, and, and, and you know, I, I've said all along that if the NFL wanted to prove it wasn't colluding against Colin Kaepernick, somebody should have offered him a one-year minimum deal and forced him to say yeah. no. Force him to say no. Right. Don't just not make him an offer. See, I think they were afraid he'd say yes. It becomes it becomes an awkward dance at that point. We saw it play out in the context 
of the workout in 2019. Do we really want to do this? Who's going to be the one to admit that we're really just kind of playing a game here? Because I really do think it's devolved into gamesmanship on both sides. So if someone offers him a veteran minimum deal and he takes it just to call their bluff and then it progresses to the next level and it's, it's, it's not good for anybody at that point. And I, I, I just, I think nothing good for anyone comes out of it at this point. And it's, I'm, I'm reluctant to say it because I believe that he was wrong, but at this point there's no reason for him to want back in. There's no reason for a team to want him back in because it's just not happening. It would be a great experiment if it would occur, but I, I just, I'm realistic. Ultimately, I'm realistic. I was idealistic in 2017, 2018, and into 2019. I've been realistic the past couple of years. It's just not, it's not going to happen. And they, they, he, he did, remember when he did sit for the national anthem and then kneel for the national anthem, there was an acknowledgement he was putting his career on the line. And he did. He did. He, he finished the year with the 49ers and that was it became a free agent, opted out of his contract, which, which gave the anti-Kaepernick crowd a, a twisted argument. Well, he opted out. Well, they were going to cut him anyway. John Lynch told us that in 2017. He told us that on PFT Live. We would have cut him if he hadn't opted out. But, you know, when it's a political issue, it's no longer about reality, Shereen. It's about whatever spin on the facts fits your view of the world. And Colin Kaepernick became the, the heart of that. And uh, it's uh, plain and simple. So it's unfortunate it happened. He was wronged, but this is not the right outcome to have him come back, to expect him to have a chance back in the NFL. And I, I really think for the team involved, for any team involved, again, at, and, and it's not collusion for the teams individually to decide at this point. It's just not worth it. And, it, and I hate to say that. I hate to say, I hate to cry uncle on this, but at this point after five years, it's just not worth it. Well, I don't know at what point, Mike, I said no one's ever going to give him a chance, but there was some point in there, maybe after free agency in 2017 when he didn't get signed, maybe that was it. But I always believed up until that point that if you were talented, if you were a quarterback who had started in a Super Bowl, that you were going to get a second opportunity. There would be nothing to keep you from getting a second opportunity. It's just like now, when I when I look at Henry Ruggs and I look at some other players in the NFL, when I look at Calvin Ridley, I'm not certain their careers are over. Maybe they come back because you think, well, they've got talent. Somebody's going to give them a second opportunity. So it's just amazing to me that this guy never got that second opportunity to finish really what he had started in starting a Super Bowl because I do think he could have led a team to a Super Bowl again. Well, and look at all the guys who have gotten second chances over the years for absolutely things that they did that were clearly unsavory and or illegal. Mike Vick went to prison for two years for crying out loud. Antonio Brown has had one erratic episode after another. Talent always wins, except when you stick your finger yeah. in the eye of ownership. You cost them money. You create heartache and headache. That's when you cross a line that can't be uncrossed. And, and, and I hope history views it that way. The problem is so many of those bullcrap narratives, and I really have to restrain myself. I want to call them what they are, narratives. They took root with the public because, as I said a few minutes ago, we in the media, not us, Shireen, but some of our colleagues in the media legitimize those bullcrap arguments like, 
Uh, you know, he just the stupid and I've written about this before, the stupid stream of lame ass excuses. He he really doesn't want to play. He's more concerned about activism. He wants to be paid too much money. He opted out. He turned down a chance to play for the Broncos. No, that was in 2016 before he ever kneeled for the anthem. The Broncos were never going to give him another chance. And remember John Elway with that bullcrap argument that he made in 2017. Well, we wanted him last year. But he didn't want to come here, so he doesn't get a second chance. Meanwhile, they brought back Brock Osweiler after he left free free agency. (laughs) Once he did what he did, that was it. He crossed a line that could not be uncrossed, and the NFL has no problem ultimately paying him 5 to $10 million for collusion, taking PR hit after PR hit for looking ridiculous for what it did. And it's it's just – it's unfortunate. It's sad, but it's over. That's my point. Regardless of whatever happened and why it happened and that it shouldn't have happened, I I just don't see the point in it happening now. Yeah, it is over, Mike. The the end is here, and you know he's still putting up these videos, which I'm sure the NFL hates because here we go with this argument again. But it is over for Colin Kaepernick, and maybe he just wants to take a dig at the NFL. Maybe continually, maybe he's going to keep these videos coming for the next five years to say, hey, I could still play in the NFL just to take a dig at him. Because I'm sure, Mike, he knows it's over. Yep. All right, the first segment of the show is over. We're going to take a break. When we return, Cowboys having trade conversations regarding one of their bigger-name players and a lawsuit brought against their biggest-name personality. We'll discuss that when PFTPM continues right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Dallas Cowboys reportedly trying to trade veteran offensive lineman Lyle Collins. He's the guy who fell into their laps as an undrafted free agent way back when. And I can't remember if it was 2014, 2015. I think it was at least 2015. 2015. Maybe it was 2015. It was. 2015. He got caught up in a murder investigation right before the draft. He was never charged, never even a suspect. But it all hit right at the draft time, and no one was comfortable Uh, giving uh, a draft pick to get him. He fell all the way through, and the Cowboys have had a very competent piece of their offensive line. He's got a five-year, $50 million contract, and there would be a decent little cap charge. It looks like... uh, it looks like it, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna eat some money if he gets traded. Uh, wait, here we go. Twenty twenty two. It's not a huge amount, it but depends, it's enough Mike. if he gets traded. Why? Well, it dep- it depends. He has to be. Put- this is why it makes no sense to me. Because if you trade him now, you only save one point three million. If it's post June one, you take a fourteen million dollar hit uh, in dead cap right now. But if you trade him after June 1, then it's a $10 million cap savings. So I don't know why they're talking about this now. I mean, can you do the trade and make it not happen until 
June yes. 2nd? Yes. You, yes, okay, you can. Well, then, then maybe they're talking that. They would have to do that because $1.3 million just doesn't make it worth it for the Cowboys to trade him. I mean, that's just – that's nothing. So to save $10 million, it's got to be post-June 1, so it's got to be June 2nd when the trade takes place. But I, it still doesn't make a ton of sense to me simply because Jerry loves him. He's, he recently called him one of the most outstanding offensive linemen in the country. He loves this guy. He's still a competent right tackle. And I know they were mad at him about the, the suspension last year over a, over a missed drug test. I, I get that. They were mad at him about that. They thought Terrence still played pretty well. But guess what? You're losing Connor Williams in free agency. He started his career at left guard. I know they think that's not his best position. I get all that. He's still better than what you got at left guard right now. So really not a lot of this makes sense to me unless it's going to be post-June 1 and unless they get a lot of compensation, which I just can't see that happening, Mike. He's got a $10 million salary this year, and I did the math between signing bonus proration, option bonus proration, and restructure bonus proration. It's a $13.95 million cap charge if he's traded before June 1. As of March 20 of this year, $6.4 million of his salary becomes fully guaranteed. Now, now, the suspension last year probably gave them the right to void those guarantees, so maybe that's not an issue. This is about managing cap charge, and you're right. You trade him before June 1, it's a lot more expensive than if you trade him after June 1. But just as we see teams reach agreements before the start of the league year to trade a guy effective at the start of the official calendar year for the NFL, I remember last year the Julio Jones talk was happening about a trade that would have happened after June 1. So you could, in theory— and, you know, that may be the way the Tom Brady situation resolves. Maybe he starts making noise about getting out of Tampa Bay, asks to be released effective June 1, and the end result is they agree to trade him to someone now with the understanding the trade becomes effective after June 1. So a uh, huge benefit, and it used to not be that way. It used to be when you were traded at any point in a calendar year, the full cap acceleration hit this year. It was 10, 15 years ago. They, they drew that June 1 line for trades, it's always been there for guys who were cut. And there used to be a very active post-June 1 free agency before you could do that that yeah. decision to release a guy as a post-June 1 casualty. It used to be a big deal. Used to be that June used to be relevant on the free agency calendar because there would be guys who would be held until then, and then they'd get cut and they'd be available. But post-June 1 trades, very much a thing, and maybe that's what happens with Lyle Collins. We'll see how that plays out. But he's he's been – key part of that team and you know it underscores one of the points as we get so caught up in the defense and in the receiving core we take that offensive line for granted that offensive line's a work in progress right now and they're closer to rebuilding than reloading don't you think yeah and I was going to point that out Mike I mean absolutely and it was only what maybe three or four years ago before Travis uh, Frederick got his illness. You know, they were one of the best offensive lines in football. We we're talking about maybe they're going to be one of the best offensive lines uh, in NFL history because when you look at Tyron Smith and Zach Martin, you think maybe they have a chance at the Hall of Fame. But this was really an outstanding offensive line. 
And it's just not anymore. And that's part of the Cowboys' problem. And part of their big problem is rebuilding this offensive line. they got a ways to go to do that. They need a new center. They're going to have to fill in a guard. And then, you know, is Terrence still good enough at right tackle? And guess what? Eventually you're going to have to replace your left tackle, Tyron Smith, who just can't stay healthy. So, yeah, they got a big rebuilding project on this offensive line. Um. I don't know how to transition to the next topic. This is something that we need to discuss, although there's not a lot of detail there, and there's no reason to think there is any sort of violation of league policy or rule. It's just, it's Jerry Jones, so it's naturally going to be a major subject of discussion and interest. But out of the blue came news yesterday from the Dallas Morning News that a 25-year-old woman sued Jerry Jones, alleging that he is her father. And apparently there was a settlement agreement between Jones and the woman's mother that support would be provided, but there must be no release of any public mention of Jones being the father, and she is fighting that. The lawsuit was supposed to be filed under seal, but there was a glitch, and it was available, and the morning news got their hands on it. This is exactly what Jones was trying to avoid, if this allegation is even true. And, and again, it means nothing to his ownership of the team but it also means everything to his ownership of the team because it just kind of it's enough it's it's yeah there's nothing illegal that happened here if it happened it's more of an issue between him and his wife of nearly 60 years but but this just fits with the narratives we've heard as the controversies continue to engulf the NFL and the reasons why certain people like to brush things under the rug this is a reason why they brush things under the rug. This is one of the things that you allegedly have engaged in that you pay a lot of money to brush under the rug and you don't want this stuff coming out. And, and it's illustrative of what the league's trying to do with the Washington situation, what the league's trying to do with the Cowboys cheerleaders voyeurism scandal that the league refuses to investigate and will defer to the investigation that was conducted by the team. It's, it's, it's one of the reasons why these owners don't want people poking around in their business. I guess that's how you tie it all together. Well, and Mike, I think a concerning thing for Jerry Jones and the Cowboys is this is twice now in the last month that we've seen NDAs that people have signed, things that, that Jerry wanted to kept quiet, now come out into the open. So how many more? Is this just the second of more coming that things we're going to hear about? Because to me, it almost seems like that there's obviously stuff out there that somebody may be out to get Jerry Jones based on what we've seen over the last month. Well, and look, I remember when the Jerry Richardson stuff happened in December of 2017, and we learned that there were multiple allegations directly against him that had been settled that included as part of the settlement agreement a non-disclosure agreement, and that is a very, very common term. Almost every civil case that gets resolved, other than car accidents, I'm talking about somebody alleging wrongdoing, an employment-type dispute, sexual harassment, discrimination, etc., against any non-public employer because public employers have to make all this stuff available under the, the open records laws. But for a private employer... If there's an allegation of misconduct in the workplace and there's a settlement, part of what you're paying for when you settle the case is confidentiality. It's very common. It feels unseemly. And it's definitely more problematic when you've got somebody who isn't represented by counsel. But when somebody is represented by counsel, it's part of the arm's length transaction. But when that all happened, I thought, my God, how many more of these are out there involving other owners? 
And I remember yeah. Mark Leibovich, in, who, who wrote the excellent book Big Game about the NFL in dangerous times, he filled in for Peter King, I think, for Football Morning in America at one point, or Monday Morning Quarterback. It may have been before he jumped to NBC. But, you know, the, the concern that the Richardson case was the tip of the iceberg. And th- th- this, is, this is how the rich and powerful deal with their problems. We all have problems. The rich and powerful deal with their problems by throwing money at the problem and extracting an NDA. We've seen that time and again from plenty of rich and powerful people. And that's fine as long as people respect them. When the NDAs start to get violated and the things that were supposedly brushed under the rug come flying out, that's when you have these issues. Mike, how many NDAs do you estimate that Jerry Jones has signed in his life? If I put it at five, if I put it at five hundred, would you take the over or the under? Wow, uh, I'd really have to think about it. And and look, NDA a lot. NDA can, it's, a lot of times you just want an NDA before there's even any anything that anyone's upset about. You know, we, we, we have a certain former high-profile politician right. who aspires to be a high-profile politician again who made NDAs a matter of course. It's a way to manage people. It's a way to arrange silence whenever and wherever and however you can. So it's a smart way to do business. You create documents that make people say, boy, I really better think twice before I open my mouth. And the more money you have, the greater your ability to utilize those. So yeah. I'd probably... Uh, what's what's big cat say life's too short to bet the under so i'd probably bet the over on that one let's go ahead and take a break who will colts quarterback be next season could it be kirk cousins and which teams are realistic options for deshaun watson we'll discuss that next here on this thursday edition of pft Tomorrow is a significant day for Deshaun Watson and for the women who have made criminal complaints against him. A grand jury in Houston will finally take up the case. And I was on radio in Houston before the show started, and they're obviously very interested in how this is going to go. The reality is we don't know until we know what the motivation of the prosecutor is. We hear the phrase all the time, Shereen, that a prosecutor can get an indictment of a ham sandwich if he or she wants. The flip side is a prosecutor cannot get an indictment of a ham sandwich if he or she wants. It all comes down to how aggressively, thoroughly, and zealously that person presents the evidence and tries to get the grand jury to either indict or not indict. Will the evidence be all of the worst stuff that these women allege that Deshaun Watson did? Will it be balanced out, maybe with information that Watson has made available that gets the grand jury to pause and say it's going to be difficult to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt? So how this is presented tomorrow goes a long way toward determining whether or not he gets indicted, and specifically on felony charges. Because if he gets indicted on felony charges, nothing's happening with Deshaun Watson next week. No one's trading for him next week. He gets put on paid leave until the cases are resolved, and that's that. There's quiet confidence, though, among Deshaun Watson's camp that he's not going to be indicted on felony charges, may not be indicted at all. And if that's the case, I think he's traded by next Wednesday. You clear this criminal legal cloud from over to Sean Watson, and he finally gets what he wants. The Texans get what they want, and some team out there that needs a quarterback gets what they want. And when you consider the gap from Russell Wilson Tuesday to Carson Wentz Wednesday, yeah, somebody's going to make a move for Deshaun Watson if he gets past the criminal cases tomorrow 
when it goes to the grand jury. Well, and Washington couldn't make that. I mean, they could make the trade for Deshaun Watson. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, based on what they're going through now, to me, they couldn't make that trade. They had to go somewhere else to find a quarterback, and they did. But when you look at the options out there, he's the best option as far as physical ability, as far as the three Pro Bowls in his last three seasons that he played, all of those things. You think you can win a Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson. So if you're in that quarterback market, yes, he's the guy you probably want to try to trade for. And, Mike, all the teams you laid out in your post today, they were all NFC teams, which is we know is what the Texans would prefer over an AFC team. Well, the one AFC team I felt compelled to mention was the Steelers because our good friend Sean yeah. King continues to say that he hears that Watson's interested in the Steelers. The problem is when Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette says, all caps, Steelers are not interested, that's coming from Art Rooney. I'm sorry to blow up your yeah. spot, Jerry, and give up your source. And I don't know for sure, but I don't think you go all caps or not unless it's coming from somebody who is in a position to not be overruled by anyone else in the organization because there would be some merit to the idea of Deshaun Watson on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, so the teams that I've identified, the Panthers, obviously. They wanted him last year when both the criminal and the civil cases were completely unresolved and up in the air. He just wouldn't waive the no-trade clause for them. This is my question, Shereen. If you're Deshaun Watson, do you view the Panthers differently now when you know Matt Rule's on the hot seat, big suit Ben McAdoo, is your offensive coordinator. What's attractive about the Panthers now that wasn't attractive about them last year when they would have traded for you, but you said no? I don't think there's anything attractive about the Panthers if I'm Deshaun Watson, except if that's my lone option to go play in the NFL next season, then I'm all over that. And it's a return to where he played college football at general area because he played at Clemson. But other than that, no. I mean, you look at their weapons on offense, there's a chance they could trade Christian McCaffrey, whether it's in the deal for you or a deal with someone else. I don't necessarily like their offensive line. You know, there, to me, there's not a whole lot to like, and you could be moving on from the head coach after this season. So that, if I'm Deshaun Watson, that's probably not my number one choice, Mike. Seattle Seahawks are a team that saw Deshaun Watson in 2017 have the finest game of his rookie year. He also believes he tore his ACL in that game. It went fully and completely four days later, non-contact in practice. The Seahawks have the resources if they want to make the trade. But again, if I'm Deshaun Watson, do I want to step into a rebuilding project? Do I want to be on the 2022 Seahawks, which may feel a lot like the 2020 Texans. Do I really want to do that? I'm not so sure that I do. Yeah, I agree with you there, Mike. I mean, it's a rebuilding team. The coach is going to turn 71 shortly. So, yeah, that's not a team I want to step into. I, I think the only way you look at the Seahawks and you go, oh, that's a pretty good situation is the receiving core. I do like that receiving core. Other than that, you've lost Bobby Wagner on defense. You spent so much on Jamal Adams. You did get some picks back, obviously, for Russell Wilson. So, But you're going to give those up to get Deshaun Watson uh, if you make that trade. So, yeah, that's probably not my first choice either. There was some talk last year about the Eagles being interested in Deshaun Watson. Watson didn't seem to be interested in them, but they made it to the playoffs. Nick Sirianni did a great job in his first year as a head coach. They have a very good offensive line. Their defense is stout. They've got weapons. They're intriguing to me, 
do you think that they would be intriguing to Watson, assuming the Eagles really would upgrade from Hurts to Deshaun? Well, yes, I think that is a place that he absolutely should be interested in based on the talent that they have, based on what they did last season, based on the fact it's a great place to play with a great fan market. I mean, and you're in the NFC and you're in the NFC East, so you have a chance to, to win that division and win it very quickly and win it over multiple years, all those things, Mike. I absolutely think he should be interested in the Eagles. Yes, I, I do too, no matter how he felt last year. And look, last year, this year, very different. you got to change your thinking on some things if you're Deshaun Watson and maybe you have to soften on some teams that you previously weren't interested in. And the Eagles, by the way, were the ones who signed Mike Vick after he did two years for dogfighting. So they know how to deal with some potentially awkward PR by bringing in a guy who has a cloud hovering over him in that fashion. The Buccaneers, no Tom Brady. Deshaun Watson would allow the Buccaneers to continue to be a high-end contender immediately. I'm not saying he's Tom Brady. He's got a different skill set than Tom Brady. The offense would be different with Deshaun Watson. But to the extent the Buccaneers view themselves as a team that continues to be relevant and competitive and be among the top contenders in the NFC. Deshaun Watson is the only guy that gets them there. Of all the guys that are out there, who's going to get them there at this point? It's Deshaun Watson. Well, it's not Blaine Gabbard. We know that. And if I'm Deshaun Watson, this is probably my number one choice for multiple reasons. The problem with Tampa Bay is do they have the compensation to give the Texans? I mean, when you look at a team like the Eagles that has three first-round picks this year, they can also get picks next year or beyond. But when you look at the Bucks with where they're drafting this year and the fact that they could win again next year, I'm not sure that's a place – if I'm the Texans that I want to send him just because I don't know that the maybe it's just more picks, but I don't like where those first rounders where the first rounder is this year and where it could potentially be over the next few years, Mike, depending on how many picks you get. The next team on the list currently has a quarterback who is due to make 35 million fully guaranteed this year. So it would be an easy financial swap for Watson, who's due to make 35 million fully guaranteed. Kirk Cousins, I'm not saying trade Cousins to the Texans, but we were kicking around earlier today the question of whether or not the Colts should want Kirk Cousins. The only problem is if you don't get him extended, and he's got all the contractual cards right now, if you don't extend his contract, then you're doing a one-year rental. So what do you really get for him if you're the Vikings and you trade him? What do you give up for him if you're the the Colts, and I could see a trade that maybe would bump up the compensation in 2023 if the Colts were to sign him to a new contract at some point next year. But, you know, I, I look at that because I look at the options the Colts have available now that they've traded Carson Wentz. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, it's basically Carson Wentz, but his teammates like him. Everything else is Carson Wentz. <laughs> like, what is, yeah. what, that's no upgrade. So uh, why not get a Kirk Cousins? You have the offensive line that can protect him and allow him to run the play that's called and not have the walls close in, and he can't function when that happens like other great quarterbacks can. Their defense is good. You've got Jonathan Taylor. The only step back is at the quality of the receivers because you're giving up Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen for the Colts receiving core. But if I'm the Colts, I at least I at least kick this around. And if I'm the Vikings, the only way I'm doing it is if I can thread the needle with Deshaun Watson because that's a problem for the Vikings. Kellen Mond's not ready. Yeah. Kevin O'Connell wants to get started on the right foot. 
But it also solves the Vikings' dilemma because the Vikings are currently in the mess of they've got Cousins for one year. So they're going to be in the what the hell are we doing at quarterback mode a year from now. Either way, if they could get Deshaun Watson now, move Cousins to the Colts, there's a lot of merit to that. Yeah, a lot of merit to that from the Vikings' standpoint, Mike. And back to the Colts, I think it tells you exactly what they think of Carson Wentz, that they were willing to get rid of him and not have an upgrade in mind that, that they were going to get. It was just like, we don't care. Let, let's just get rid of him and, and we'll get another quarterback in here. Because I've always said, if you're going to change head coaches, if you're going to change quarterbacks, it better be to somebody better. It better be an upgrade. Otherwise, you don't do it. In the Vikings case, it better be Deshaun Watson if you're trading Kirk Cousins. There's another NFC team that I have on my list, and it leads to a question in the mailbag. From Dr. J144, I'm intrigued by your Deshaun Watson to Arizona possibility. Would Watson waive the no-trade clause for Arizona, given the potential union reunion with DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt? Watson is better than Kyler Murray, so it's an upgrade for Arizona. Look, I they're both great quarterbacks. And to the extent that Kyler Murray is unhappy with the Cardinals because they've yet to sign him to a major extension, if the Texans would want him, that's the key. We don't know what the Texans would want by way of Kyler Murray, but if they would want him and if they would be willing to pay him franchise quarterback money, that would make a ton of sense. Now, if Kyler Murray is frustrated by the fact that he's not winning enough games, it's not like he's instantly going to win a lot more games by going to the Houston Texans, but it does get him potentially the contract he wants, and it solves the problem for the Arizona Cardinals. They bring in Deshaun Watson, who may be better. And it, I, I, you, know, I, you do that trade – can you do the straight-up Pastorini for Stabler trade? I guess it seems odd to think that you would trade Kyler Murray plus more stuff to get Deshaun Watson. If I'm the Cardinals, my attitude is it's straight up. It's straight up or it's nothing. Yeah, I agree with you. From the Cardinals' standpoint, you would want to make it straight up. The Texas standpoint, they're, they don't – they aren't positive what they have in Davis Mills. He could be the guy. It's going to take more from the Cardinals, I would think, if you're the Texans. You're not just going to take Kyler Murray. You're going to say, hey, we're upgrading you at quarterback. We need more from Deshaun Watson. And that, to me, is where the problem comes in because I think Deshaun Watson would want to go there. Kyler Murray, maybe not so much. Maybe he would use his baseball leverage, but you'd have to make sure before that – trade went through that Kyler Murray was going to play for you and that you could pay him or were committed to paying him and that you guys were on the same uh, straight there. Otherwise you don't make that trade, but that, that one is the most intriguing Mike to me. And you're the one who first brought it up. I would love to see that happen. I just think it'd be fun. I, I think it would be great. It, it would get Kyler Murray back to the state of Texas where everything's bigger yeah. in Texas except the Houston Texans quarterback if it's Kyler Murray. All right, uh, game roller B, what is Tom Brady's likely path if he wants San Francisco? Wait for Tampa Bay to get another quarterback. Tom Brady, did I say Tom Brady? What is Tom Brady's likely path if he wants San Francisco? Wait for Tampa Bay to get a quarterback or get aggressive and request it now. Shereen, we've talked about this in the past. You've made the point that he could ask to be cut now with a June 1 designation so the Buccaneers don't have the big cap charge. And Sims and I argued about this earlier. I think Brady can make a strong case to be released by the Buccaneers. But from the Buccaneers' perspective, they yes. do hold his rights. And these teams don't just give away stuff that they have available to them. I, I think it would be hard for the Buccaneers 
to just cut Tom Brady. But from his perspective, I think it makes sense to wait for them to get a quarterback that would be too good for him. If he comes back, it screws everything up, so they have to let him go. So I think it makes sense for him to wait. To finally answer the question, I think it makes sense for him to wait a little bit to see what they get at quarterback. Well, I just know how Tom Brady operates, and I know he wants to be there with his receivers, and he wants to learn the playbook and all those things. So I know that that if he's determined to come back, he's going to want it sooner than later. But it's a decision that he's going to have to make, and the Bucks should do whatever it take, whatever Brady wants. I also think part of the negotiation with Mrs. Brady this year has been yeah. to take some time. So maybe he won't be as urgent. We'll find out. It's urgent for us. We're out of time. We'll see you tomorrow morning for PFT Live. Have a great evening. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.